This episode of the Jealous Vegan Podcast is brought to you by VCoco, an online cooking school dedicated to vegan cuisine. Learn how to cook vegan the right way, from international chefs in the comfort of your own home for less than a dollar a day. For more details and to get a discount on your membership, go to thejealousvegan.com forward slash VCoco, V-E-E-C-O-C-O. So I'll say this. So I have anxiety disorder. And for a long time, I used to take Xanax, right? And Xanax has been out for, for a long time. A long time. It's only in the last two years that they found out that Xanax can cause dementia as you get older, right? So I'm thinking, how long has this been on the market? How long did you test it for? And now the people who were taking it, you know, 15, 20 years ago, oh, now they're old enough to start showing symptoms of it. And so when I say that it's not, it's tested extensively, but you need some time to pass, right? Yeah. Before you can really see long-term long effects. effects for something, you know? Yeah. And so now I'm like, every time I forget something, I'm like, it's that Xanax. I knew it. I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have taken it. I can just feel the holes in my brain oh happening my now. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. A few episodes ago, we talked about healthcare and the cost of healthcare. And one of the things that has been on our minds since that episode is how the choices we make relative to our health in one area can have sometimes an unintended consequence in another. For example, I think in the episode we talked about the fact that um, I have a friend who had an issue that they were trying to solve and they ended up using medication for that issue. But in fact, it created such a, a trauma to their kidneys from having to try to process that medicine that they ended up needing a kidney transplant. And thankfully they had a relative that was willing to offer a kidney and it, you know, um, didn't get rejected. The body accepted it. And, you know, I guess happily ever after, but for a lot of people, I think they are trying to choose, do I make this decision about my health? Um, when I don't really know how severe the unintended consequences of that choice might be. Yeah, it's a thorny one. I mean, we, we've talked about this too before that conventional medicine is, I mean, excuse the expression, it's a crapshoot. Like, you, you don't know what your, how your, first of all, you don't know how your body's going to respond to a particular medicine and everybody's body's different. Second, um, the medicine, even if you watch the commercials or you get the, the packet that comes with it of disclaimers, you have no idea. I mean, generally, if, if it supposedly fixes one thing and breaks five other things. Can I just say too? I was watching. Um, I was watching. Okay, y'all know I don't have a TV, but I've I've got. <laughs> I got to sling. I bought sling from my nana. Oh, how does that work? And Do you like I it? so far so good. My okay. nana's learning how to use her remote control, which but that's just you know user training. She's, she's, so she's eighty seven. It's cool. However, I can also stream it, so I can stream it from oh, my own from house. Like your so tablet. I kind of get like 
yeah, so I can get like a twofer, right? So I've been watching Sling. I'm really just looking for one thing that I'm hoping comes on TV because I can't watch it otherwise. Um, just told myself. Yep, I know so, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm on there and um, I forgot where I was going because of the unintended consequences. Oh, I was watching this commercial, <laughs> and it's to um, it is to minimize the chances. Of HIV. I can't remember the name. Oh, of the, yeah, but I'm the on the pill. Not that pill. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. I've seen that commercial too. Exactly. And it talks <laughs> always about- always kind of freaks me out. What, what, what the trouble I have with this commercial is, hold on. You're taking a pill to minimize the chances of getting HIV, but they also tell you in combination with safe sex, sex. practices. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if- I have so many questions. Like- because a safe sex should minimize your uh, your chances your of HIV, and what what does the pill really do yeah. except for give you the the feeling that you're somehow safer? But I don't see how you're safer because even if you take the pill, what if you do come in contact with HIV? Yeah. Does the pill intercept it? I, I like how does it. that work exactly? And then what does that do to your body? And and I mean they're on there, they're showing these happy people, they're dancing, and they're just like I'm on the it pill, like they've got this thing, like they can be free, and soccer. I'm like, but how can you be free if you are still have to practice safe sex practices? I don't, I don't quite understand how that even got on the market. Not, uh, uh, let alone is able to be on TV. Kids could be seeing this. They could be thinking, "Oh, cool! I don't have to worry about HIV. All I have to do is practice safe sex, pra- uh, you know, practices, whatever that might mean for a, a person, a teenager with, you know, or a young person. Like, and I can just take this pill. I'll be fine. Like, I just, I got triggered." Watching it, but it is to the point of like unintentional consequences. How can there are no guarantees? And the medicine is marketed like it's some kind of help, but how is it a help? And then what does it break? Because the God knows what it does to your body. Yeah, agreed. I, I, yeah, I don't know how how it's designed or how it works at all. Yeah. But I've seen that commercial. I feel like like I have um I don't have slang, but I have something like that, so I can watch TV where I when I don't have cable. And yeah, I feel like that commercial comes on like like every commercial break. That commercial comes on, so I knew exactly what you were talking about. But that's a tricky thing, right? Because HIV really is viral, right? Yeah, it's a virus. It's a virus. And so you wonder. It's almost like vaccines, and I I'm not going to get on my soapbox mm. about vaccines, right? But it's like, what are you giving me to keep me from getting this thing? The thing that you're giving me could be worse than the thing that I'm trying not to get. <laughs> and I don't even know what that is. And my problem with medicine is that they only do a limited amount of research before they're like, it works, put it on the market. Um, and then... Well, but, I don't know about that. Well, in this case... I feel like drug trials actually are pretty extensive. Yes, yeah, but no. there's a lot of bureaucracy and lobbyists and... So I'll say this. So I have anxiety disorder. And for a long time, I used to take Xanax, right? And Xanax has been out for, for a long time. A long time. It's only in the last two years that they found out that Xanax can cause dementia as you get older, right? So I'm thinking, how long has this been on the market? How long did you test it for? And now the people who were taking it, you know, 15, 20 years ago, oh, now they're old enough to start showing symptoms of it. And so when I say that it's not, it's tested extensively, but you need some time to pass, right? Yeah. Before you can really see long-term, long-term effects. effects for something, you know? Yeah. And so now I'm like, 
Every time I forget something, I'm like, it's that Xanax. I knew it. I knew it. I knew I should be taking it. I can just feel the holes in my brain oh happening my now. And yeah, it's, yeah. Well, and, and let's not get started. Right. And so how can you know that this drug is when you have to have people who live and who live with it and go beyond it? Right. Mm-hmm. I took um, a drug that was for my face. I mean, my skin was writing and it was just like. The dermatologist who gives it to me says, I took it. She's in you know, her 60s. She's like, I took it. I'm fine. Look at my skin, right? She's also wearing makeup. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So you're wearing, mm. I can tell it's, you're, you're beautiful. You look beautiful, but um, you're also wearing foundation. The point being, though, she tried, she gave me like her own testimonial. Like, I took it. See, I'm 60. I'm fine, right? And I'm just like, you don't understand. But also at the same time, this drug, I have to get monitored, monitored, monitored monthly with blood work. Mm. And there was one time I remember going, the drug, Sacutane, um, and it worked. <laughs> However, um, there was one time I went to take, it dehydrates you. It basically dehydrates you and it's supposed to close your pores, right? So that there's not as much oil coming out and especially on the larger pores, which are on the face and the you know body, upper part of the body. But I remember very distinctly going to um, get my monthly checkup. Um, I had to log into this website. I had to sign this waiver. Blah, blah, blah. And then I had to get the monthly. And they pulled blood. And there was one time she stuck a needle in my arm and quite literally nothing came out. What? Did that freak you out or what? No, I'm feeling fine. And she's like, the, but her face tells me. Something ain't right. She's freaking out. Because that means your blood was thick. Yeah. So she says, real calm. Have you had any water today? Now, this was first thing in the morning. It was like nine o'clock. She's like, have you had any water today? I was like, mm-mm. And she's like, okay, we're going to give you some water. And I'm like, what's happening? What's wrong? And she's like, um, just, yeah, let's give you some water. Nothing, just that you're, you know, it's a little thick. I'm not able to get something. I could try the other arm, but I think, yeah. And they give me some water and I'm telling y'all like not 10 minutes later, I have to use the ladies room. Right. And they come and she sticks me and then it's fine. And I'm like, so that's how thirsty I was. And you didn't even realize. It. I didn't even realize it. And what they're testing my blood for is that my liver function is still high. Is it liver or kidney? I can't remember. One of those organs. Probably kidneys. Um, Was like. They need to make sure that I wasn't damaging my kidneys. Especially if it dehydrates you, then it could definitely... Well, it would probably impact both, but your kidneys would feel it first. Right. Now, that was, I don't know, not 10 years ago. So God knows what happens next, right? Or or what it might long-term effect might be. I don't know, right? And so, you know, what did happen is that I developed a bunion because of the slight one, but it was dehydration. It's too dehydrated. My bones started to um, become deformed. Right, that's a bunion, and that's happened. Now, my grandmother has a bunion, and she never took Accutane. So yeah. it's there's also something predisposed, right? right. A genetic predispos- predisposition. It's the same foot <laughs> as her. Really? Like, oh. so I know. Okay, something lines up here, and oh, maybe, would I have had it if I'd been properly hydrated and if I hadn't had this drug? Right. So mm-hmm. again, it worked. My skin fine, but at the same time, the unintentional consequences. I had no idea that I would develop. And audience, for your benefit, a bunion is when your bone turns. It's your foot, for example, my the big toe, the that bone that's right there. It turns so that it creates. It's no longer in alignment, and it creates. Uh, your foot looks like it has a, a knot on the side. And sometimes you'll see it with women. 
I think it's my personal belief now as a result of my story that it's a result of dehydration. But I also know some women are more prone to it now than others, right? So it's just that idea of, when I think of it, unintentional consequences. She didn't mention the bunion possibility to me or what else is that doing to my bones and the rest of my body? Yeah. I'm seeing it visibly here, but where am I not seeing it? I, (laughs) it's funny. I mean, I could tell a drug-related story, but the reason that I was thinking about unintended consequences is that sometimes it's something that really is beneficial. And so I remember, I don't know if it was during Shark Week recently, but I was watching some documentary about um, the ex- kind of explosion of shark attacks in Southern, in California, on the California coast. So it starts in like, you know, from basically the San Francisco Bay near Alcatraz all the way down to Mexico. Um, they've said in the last like five years, the increase of sharks has just been beyond what any scientist could understand. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, like what's causing this is the is the water temperature changing from other places in other places so that sharks don't find those places hospitable any longer? Because I guess that used to be that the sharks would just kind of come through that part of California. So they're trying to figure out like, well, what's happened? So one of the things that they t- took a look at was the a, a law in California. Uh, I think it got passed. I thought it was in the 70s, but it could have been as recently as the early 90s. Sorry, I'm short on the details. but. Um, you know, the Environmental Protection Agency in the state of California agreed that because sea lions and seals were, their population had been um, depleted to a certain point that they were going to outlaw killing either of those animals. And so they wanted to give their, their populations an opportunity to rebound. And they did. But now it's out of control. Sharks are like, lunch dad. Right. And so what happens when you build a golden corral around a bunch of people who like to eat a lot of food? They come. And now the sharks (laughs) are coming to California and they have this huge, basically, you know, golden corral. They have a a banquet. A buffet. Right. And And they can't tell the difference between. And they can't tell the difference between the human. But the reason that there's so many more shark attacks is that, um, there are more there are more sharks right it's not that that i mean sharks have been confused about you know surfers versus a seal for years but yeah. now there's so many more sharks that there are more incidents of shark attacks um the other thing that they looked at was that the population of juvenile sharks means that they're they can't really decipher between people and those animals as well as the more mature shark and so as a result there are more shark attacks. But so here's something that everybody, I don't care what your political affiliation might be or whether or not you even care about animals. When you hear there's an endangered species, you're like, oh, we should try to save them. And they did. But now humans are at risk because they have so many more sharks in the area. And so it's things like that, that when you look at, and I think the same thing happens with your health sometimes. And you're like, I've got to address this thing because it's so acute that, you know, if we don't do something soon, there might be a problem. So you do that thing, but then it's like, oh, wait, we didn't think about how that was going to impact this other thing. And now we're in trouble in a different way. Well, how can you know, right? How can you know that there would be more sharks as a result of the population explosion? You wouldn't know that. So, I mean, that's the human part, right? The thing about humans is that we often learn by trial and error. And there's some excitement in that. There's some challenge in that. But it also is 
we the potential for being blindsided um mm-hmm. is very rife and I, and that's just that's just the innocent part of it like some people some uh, what do they call that? Corporate malfeasance. Yeah. In the sense of like, some people intentionally, some organizations intentionally don't care about the consequences and they just act. Most, I would, I would, I would like to think that most of us come from a place of like, it is really ignorance. We're trying to figure it out. Right. I agree. I think the same is true even when you're talking about medicine. Right. Is we're trying to fix a problem and sometimes quickly. And so that causes us to maybe come up with medicines or something like that, that we we don't know what else it's going to do. But what we know is that we can't afford not to fix this other thing. You know, I think about that even with my anxiety medicine, even knowing what I know now about, you know, dementia. I if you've ever had a panic attack, you would know that it is the most awful thing I've ever encountered. And absolutely, I will take a Xanax today if I have a panic attack, knowing full well what the other side effects could be because the problem could really be that big or that serious or that detrimental. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's a calculated risk. Sometimes it is just ignorance. And I mean, we as humans, there's so much that we still don't know. Um, And we don't even know that we don't know it. And so we're trying to figure it out. And... We're trying to always be in a place where we're living better and longer and this and that. Um, And sometimes not accounting for all of the what ifs. And honestly, there's no way to account for all of the what ifs. I mean, so many things could happen. And like you were saying about, you know, taking your Accutane and being dehydrated. Yes. Would that have happened to your foot if you didn't already have a predisposition? Maybe, maybe not. not. Maybe, maybe not, which is why when they do case studies, it's like, well, this percentage reported this and this re- percentage reported this. And some people had this, but it was only one. And so it's it's hard. And and I not to knock the medical industry or anything like that, because I think that they they're doing a hard job mm-hmm. um, in trying to make sure that people get what they need. Uh, but we as consumers, I think so often I find this specifically in healthcare where we, the patient, we don't do our part. We don't do our research. We don't stop. We don't... Ask questions. We Yeah, you get a pamphlet with every prescription. Who reads it? Nobody well, reads it. We know Lawrence does, as you told us. Yes, yes, yes. we had yes. him that episode. Yes, he did. Yeah. But, you know, they say that, uh, you know, antibiotics can render your birth control ineffective. Yes. Well, I'm like, well, there goes all my favorite kids right there. Yep. You know, your mom got strep throat and here you are. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, it's like if I you know had, some kids like that, too. If you had read the pamphlet, you would have known that you could have doubled up. You know, we wouldn't have this situation <laughs> right here. But we as consumers, we don't do our due diligence. And so I think that's really if there's anything to take away from this episode is that nothing is foolproof. And we really have to take it upon ourselves to be informed and try to make the best decisions that we can about whatever it is we're taking and understanding what the consequences could be and making sure that it's a calculated risk for us, you know? But I think what you said, Lisa, is really the challenge that people have. You said, hey, I already know what could happen, but if this situation pops up, I'm absolutely going to take the pill, right? And I think that it's, it's a shame that too many people are in a situation where they're like, I can't live like this and so it almost doesn't matter how bad the consequences are. I've got to do something. And I feel like I've had to make that choice sometimes, especially with regard to my hormones. Because it's like, 
I'm at the end of my line. I can't do this anymore. So uh, it almost doesn't matter how much it costs, what it takes. I've got to, I've got to do it. And I think that's the, that is what I think is the, the cruel choice, right? Is that sometimes, in fact, I would wager a lot of the times, consciously and unconsciously in our health and otherwise, we are making a choice between short-term alleviation of symptom and long-term solution. So people stay in relationships because, well, it's more comfortable to stay and we have kids and, you know, will I be able to survive on my own? Like there are lots of reasons people stay because long-term, it seems like the odds of survival are insurmountable versus the short-term pain of staying right here. Which would be better? Can you, and maybe I didn't say that right, the short-term benefit of not making of not changing anything the right boat. because yeah. it when you it's, it's always easier to stay put because what the forces that brought you here they're pretty powerful and you get comfortable for a reason right so it i feel like that's a, the cruel choice of humanity is that we often have to choose am i gonna decide to do what's best for me short term or am i gonna decide to do what's best for me long term and sometimes in the case of like panic attacks it's like you you I'm sorry, this right here, I feel like my heart is going to stop. Yeah. So yes, I do have to take something to cut that. Now, the, I think the sweet spot is for some, any choice like that is, okay, so I'm going to take something to intercept my symptoms right now because I have to. And that is sometimes the case. I have to. And what am I going to do to manage it long-term? I still need a long-term solution. Is I just can't keep popping the pill, right? And, and I don't... I say that with compassion. I can't right. just can't keep palliative, uh, providing some palliative solution here. I really need to find a solution. But what if the solution is hard to find? You're yeah. trying to, you know, there are times when you, you know. That's when the trial and error becomes just, it drives you batty, right? Because you're like, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, nothing's working. Now what? Now what? Now what? Yeah, absolutely. And I felt that way with my skin. I went round and round with Accutane and I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Let's find some other way. I went to the holistic doctor, but the holistic doctor, of course, because she's treating the whole person. She's like, I need to know all about what's happening with you. And it takes time because your, right, your skin is elimination order. It take, uh, organ, it takes six to eight weeks for you to see results. And I'm like, six to eight weeks? I don't have that kind of time. That's how it feels. I don't have that kind of time. I, you don't understand. You, my face was like a pizza. And not just my face, but like I would break out everywhere. Like upper body was like inflamed. Now, I realize now I was highly stressed. I was eating cheese, which is a stress food for me. And I love cheese, right? What would it take? How long would it take for me to remove all those things from my diet and also reduce my stress? And would my symptoms have gone away? Because now I know my skin responds. I get a grief scar. Right. Like when I'm grieving. So all those things, though, that's a, now I can look at in the retrospect. No. Um, I don't know. If that's a word in the retrospective. And I can say, oh, if I'd known this then. But of course, I didn't. Yeah. I just want to say retrospect is a word. Is a word. OK, yeah. thank you. But like like you said, the skin is an elimination organ. So when you think about I find a lot of what's going on in your skin is what's happening inside, really. Your body's, like, trying to get it out. But like you said, you don't have time for that. And in the, in the, there, there's a component to that of, like, your skin, it's, like, it changes how you present yourself to the world and your self-esteem and all of these different, like, issues and components. Uh, and so there's a place for wanting a, a quick fix or 
uh, and like at any cost solution, if I'm saying that right. Mm. A solution that you're just like. And a sure one. You want to yes. know that it's absolute. Like you're going to kill this thing. Whatever this is going to kill this so I can yeah. think. Because right now I can't think. Yeah. I, I agree that it's it's a difficult place to be. Uh, and it definitely sucks when you're there to have to decide between right now or long term. I think it's a place that we we've all been at some point, and if mm-hmm. we haven't, we're probably gonna be. Yeah, and yeah. we do the best that we can and try to navigate as rationally and soundly and with as much information as we can. But we make the decision that has to be made. I think it shows up at the table too. Absolutely, like short term yeah, benefit. Like, um, um, it is easier for me to just do what's, um, what's a, to, for me to choose what's available. I know this is true for myself. It's like, it's easier for me to just choose what's available. I don't feel like cooking. And oh, and by the way, I let myself get too hungry. So now I just want like a protein shake. And that's not bad, but I've done it also with potato chips. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, I don't the, feel like the majority of people are like, I'm so hungry. What can I eat? Oh, I'll just have a protein shake. But, but the protein shake comes from laziness. <laughs> yeah, laziness. Like I just have, I've reached a point now where I can't think. And I'm just like, I just need my stomach to not... And I honestly don't feel like it because I'm stressed or whatever. And when I'm stressed, I don't eat. So then I'm just like, I don't want to. Can you please just solve this problem for me? I don't care. And there's no one here to cook for me. And I don't feel like going. I can pull some burgers out. I don't, I don't even want to do that. I just want something in there so my stomach doesn't make any noise. Cause so I can think. <laughs> and I've absolutely done it with protein shakes. I've also done it with potato chips and chocolate. Like some days you're just going there. Probably. And you realize this is not the best choice. Gummy bears. Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't even keep them in the house anymore because I'll be like, oh, it's too late to eat. I'm too hungry. I'm just going to have this bag of gummy bears and go to bed. It's an awful decision every time. Right. But at the time, and especially if we were emotional. What else are you going to do? You're going to do what you got to do. And often you're going to make an irrational and an, a, a, a bad choice. Poor choice, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's. Not all of them are irrational. Some of them are, are rational choices at the time. Calculate a risk. Yeah. Calculate a risk. Yeah. And really, I think um, the idea of figuring out what your long-term priorities are so that you can at least be informed about whether or not you're making a decision that is going to you know, add to your long-term goal or detract from it. Because too many times, I think we're just kind of you know out here you know, decision slinging basically. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I don't, I didn't do anything that I really wanted to do or nothing I did today is, is contributing towards, you know, the life that I want to create. Um, and so at least figuring out what your long-term priority is and then making decisions that align to it or recognizing, Hey, I know this is not what I want long-term, but it's what I want right now. And it is a risk I'm going to take. Right. Like pint of ice cream at the end of the day. Okay, cool. Enchiladas uh, at Chewy's. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, too, like some, uh, even... Uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But not really. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I've never had it. <laughs> Yet. The audience is referring to our previous episode about FOMO. Uh, but I think even like what you were saying, thinking about your long-term goals, but also thinking about in terms of healthcare, 
how big is this problem really? Because sometimes we make a, a bigger thing than it needs to be out of out of a health issue. And sometimes that's because we're, we're scared or we we don't know or it seems like a big thing. But I think sometimes if you could take a step back and be like, how big is this problem? Is it really immediate? Do I really need to take this thing right now? Do I have time to explore other options? Like April was saying about her skin, like, I don't have six to eight weeks. Well, you do really have six to eight weeks, but you don't want to wait. Yeah, you don't want to wait. And maybe you really can't wait because how, I mean, the thing to factor in, how is it affecting your day-to-day life, right? And and how stressful for it is, how stressful is it for you? Is that something that you can continue to live with for six to eight weeks? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is no. But I think asking yourself all of these questions, your long-term goals, how big is this problem? Do I really need this solution right now? You know, and also asking for help is is a huge thing because we lack the ability to make rational decisions in stressful situations. And so it's really helpful to have somebody that you can talk to and just say, like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Like, what are your thoughts on it? This is what my options are, whether that's like a parent or a friend or whoever. Um, I have found personally that it's really helpful. Yeah, to phone a friend. Yeah, um, I find will, a coach. Find a coach. <laughs> yes. I would add too, like, um, did I have six to eight weeks? Just in this case of like, two couple things came up for me while you were talking. This is like the need to slow down. We get in a hurry to rush the solution, and for us, the problem is immediate. Is it? I mean, can you slow down? Maybe if I'd slowed down, that would have reduced some of the stress, which would have helped me, right? Um, there's a piece, too, about the social pressure because I absolutely was feeling like, no, I don't have six to eight weeks and I don't know if you're actually going to cure me, right? Cure me. And what I would say now coming through, have been a health coach and now a confidence coach, I would say have confidence in the body that it will correct itself if you give it the right tools and you give it the right nutrition. You need to figure out what that nutrition is and it's hard and you need you need to ask for help. <laughs> absolutely. But have confidence in the body that it, it, it is always trying to get to optimal state. It is always trying to rebound and to, to be resilient. But stress and poor nutrition and poor sleeping and whatever else can inhibit the body's function. So it, it will, if you can have confidence in your body that over time it will line, line up and, and reestablish a quality equilibrium, but it is going to take time and it does require you to experiment and it does require you to slow down. Um, at the time I felt super pressurized to do it and I needed a solution. I need something that would be sure air quote. Um, but now in retrospect, I probably would have done things differently because I absolutely think it was the cheese and I absolutely think I was super stressed. And I absolutely think that maybe I was even hormonally imbalanced as a result of those things. Um, and because of those things that I would have approached it differently now, I would have taken the six to eight weeks. Uh, I was also married though. And I was just like, okay, I can't have my husband looking at me like this. Like I look like a teenager and I don't want to embarrass him wandering around looking like, what is this? This is your wife. Like I, I so there's, there's that too. And I just add that to say that we often, sometimes are con- not often, sometimes we're concerned about what the people will say or think while we're in the flow of things. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's non-trivial, I think, for someone who has cancer and they lose their hair. It's like part of the the managing the disease and the cure is managing that that piece of like, what will people say? And the social expectation and not just expectation, but 
how you show up and the co- lack of confidence in showing up because you know you look different than everybody else and people will ask and we'll, we'll, you don't want to go into right. it like it right, adds then, to it yeah and especially if you're a private person because that that you're 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 not able to be private about that everyone will know something's wrong exactly and i think that adds on to yeah i i will just play devil's advocate for one minute just um and what april was saying about you know the the body Yes, it wants to align and it tries its best. I think time is a huge thing that we need to give ourselves. I think we also need to be okay with if the body does is not going to align. Because sometimes, I mean, we're imperfect. That's, That's what it is. But there are certain things that you cannot treat with food that the body may not realign itself. And like, right. that's okay too. That's okay. Right. But I, I think that we shouldn't just jump to... Give me a pill. Give me a pill, but allow see what your body's going to do first. And then if it's like clearly evident that there's still something there, then we try to do the work around that. But there are some things that your body's probably not going to correct on its own. And right. And there are environmental factors we can't control, sure. right? So thank you. That's an important clar- clarification that you got to do the best you can. And the thing that came up for me was compassion. Not just for ourselves, but for other people. That pe- everybody's doing the best they can with what they know and what they have in the moment. And whatever that is, can we just agree to be empathetic and compassionate um, and give ourselves grace and give others grace, even without needing to know the details? Can we give right. ourselves that grace? Yeah. And as always, you know, we're not physicians. We're not suggesting that you shouldn't take your medicine, but uh, just a, maybe a healthy reminder to consider uh, not just the short-term, but the long-term consequences of your choices. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us on social media at Nagella's Vegan on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or at thejealousvegan.com, and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content to support your plant-based journey. And until then, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.